You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with Brandon Andrews, who is the CEO of Orable. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this, right? We've had over 320 episodes on the Brand Builders Podcast. We have had some heavy hitters on the program, and it is your lucky day because that is one of those episodes. Now, very few people, period, can boast a resume like Brandon. Uh, it includes a Division One college athlete, modeling, law school, politics, entrepreneurship. He's worked in the U.S. Senate, entertainment, tech, programming, public affairs, pretty much anything you can possibly imagine. And this man is far from riding off into the sunset. Brandon uh, is, is way too young for that, and you guys are going to learn a ton from him. It's an absolute honor to have you on the program. Now, you wear a ton of hats, um, and we want to obviously you know, let you tell us about how you're going to introduce yourselves, but what I want to learn as well is you do so many different things, and we heard a little bit through a, uh, a seminar with you that you got a little bit of a connection with Shark Tank, which we definitely want to dive yeah. into that. But Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me and looking forward to sharing some of my story. And, you know, I do a range of things, but I feel like everything is complimentary. So in this age of not just entrepreneurship and self-employment being a cool side hustle, but for a lot of people, um, a lot of people have to go down that road just to make ends meet. I think it's really important to understand how to juggle multiple things because it's becoming a priority and a need versus something that was just a cool, nice to have in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I, that's why I was going to say, I was like, where where do we even start with everything you've already accomplished? And what seems to be, you, you seem like a young fella, uh, seems to be such a short time frame. So how about like... I'm getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to all of us and sure beats the alternative, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But how about, like, what are you working on right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, right now I am CEO of the inexorable um, which is a, a consulting firm work with a range of clients i'm also co-founder of gauge which is an enterprise market research platform uh, we connect big brands to consumers to hopefully help them make better decisions and avoid mistakes uh, and then i work with an impact agency called values partnerships uh, where uh, i uh, have for a number of years done casting for abc shark tank and so i had the opportunity to meet several thousand entrepreneurs every year. We just finished up casting for season 15 of the show. And uh, those new episodes are airing right now, but looking forward to continuing to see entrepreneurs I've met appear on the show, but also uh, to getting back out there and meeting entrepreneurs. Um, hopefully the show gets picked up for another season as well. Oh, it's definitely getting picked up. Man, I, I mean, that, that show. show's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Now, but, 100%. But you, know, you never know in the entertainment That's biz, true. You know? You're right. Um, you're right. One bad. I mean, you're right. So I'll jump yeah. into that on the Shark Tank thing. So you, and when we look at your background, playing college, uh, what did you play in college? Tell us about that first. I, I was a track athlete. Nice. So uh, division one track athlete, triple jump was my main event. Woo. Although I'd run every, I'd run every once in a while if somebody got injured or if I, uh, if I fouled a jump or something like that, I'd have to go run a 400. But uh, yeah, triple <laughs> jump, 
I was with my main event back in college. You know, I used to have this superpower when I was jumping. I remember my grandmother used to tell me, you know, I, I can tell it's about to rain by my like by my knee because the her knee would start to swell up or whatever. I had that superpower when I was doing triple jumps. So whenever the pressure would drop or whatever, I could feel it in my right knee. And I don't know how familiar you are with triple jump, but you either do right, right, left or left, left, right. You're jumping off one leg twice, switching to the other leg and then jumping into the sand pit. And so that uh, right, my, I did right, right, left. And so that right, that right knee, I could always tell when the, the weather was changing. But since I stopped triple jumping, I don't have the superpower anymore, but uh, I love being a, a, a track athlete. I wish I wish we had NIL back then. You know, there's not as much money right? in track as uh, as football and, and some of the other sports. But uh, it would have been nice to, uh, you know, get a little something uh, extra uh, for going out and doing some promotional stuff, which every college athlete does it at every level. Hey, man, I played college soccer at Georgia Southern. They should have paid me, too. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. There you go. I'm, I'm just glad I got a scholarship. I'm going to shut up. They call it a day late and a dollar that's, short. You know that's right. <laughs> so I want to jump. So you mentioned um, Shark Tank, which is really cool. And we've gotten the opportunity yeah. to, to work with Kanga Coolers here locally, uh, an amazing group that, mm-hmm. that created a school project out of Clemson University, uh, went on Shark Tank, um, you know, connected and, and actually made a partnership with Mark Cuban. And, and now it's been amazing. I not only see their brand, but we've helped them get into our industry from the, from the, uh, the, the branding world. And it's crazy the amount of business that they're able to do B2B um, through that platform. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was like, hey, we'll sell these to, you know, small little shops down in Charleston. People will love them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, have you ever pitched this to Anheuser-Busch? Like, have you ever pitched this to Miller Coors? And they're like, well, not really. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. First off, we got to figure this out. But it was really neat to kind of see that whole process. And now we work with them on a weekly basis and provide their product to our clients. So we're now a vendor of Kanga through Shark Tank. So it's really cool to see kind of that whole process. Awesome. But you get to see it at the yeah. very beginning. And yeah. we talked about kind of some of the ones that stood out. Are there any that you see and you're like, just rooting for them. Like you don't know if it's going to happen, but you're like, I can't wait till this comes on. Cause I hope they team up with somebody or you hope it works out. Like how do you get, or how connected do you get to the people through that process? Yeah, this is all a relationship business, you know, casting, especially for a show as popular as shark tank, you know, the show gets 20,000 plus applications every season. We maybe have a hundred or so slots, depending on how many episodes get picked up for that season. So the reality is it's very competitive and a lot of people aren't going to make it on the show the first time. It's very common for people to apply two times, three times. A couple of seasons ago, we had a woman on that uh, that had applied seven times for the show, had come to casting events that I did personally, and she got on the, the, the show and got a deal with Barbara Corcoran. So it's all relationship. And what what I'm able to do by building relationships with people is say, okay, this year, this company was here. The next year they come back and apply. I can see progress being made. And then maybe the third year I can say, okay, here's the trajectory of the company. And here's where they think they can go. If they get the combination of a relationship with the shark, plus that uh, equity investment and, um, can make a really more compelling, a much more compelling case to the production team. But yeah, it's all about relationships. And I'm always interested in seeing where the companies go and how they grow after the show. I do have to mention a huge success story uh, from Shark Tank um, that just happened over the summer 
So a number of years ago, we had a business on called Scali. So Scali is a mobile app company that helps people get college scholarships. Um, every year, there's millions of dollars in college scholarship money that goes unused because very often scholarships, um, the non-athletic scholarships, uh, are very, they have very specific profiles, very specific parameters that they're looking for. And if they don't find somebody, they just keep their powder dry. They just, they just don't do a scholarship that year. And so Chris Gray, who's from Alabama, um, wasn't able to afford college himself. He went out and got $1.3 million in college scholarship money himself um, when he was going to Drexel University. Um, the school paper did a story on him and said, you know, he's been able to get this incredible scholarship fund and he got inundated with requests. Can you tutor me? Can you teach me? Can you help me do what you did? Uh, because I need money for, co for college as well. Um, his capacity to be able to do that tutoring was quickly outstripped by the demand. And so he decided to create a tech solution. He created a mobile app called Scali, ended up coming on season seven, I believe, of the show and got a deal with um, Lori Grenier and Damon John, his business took off after that. And just this year, his company was acquired by Sally May. So he's exited now. Uh, and it's a great Shark Tank success story. But it's also really a quintessential American story, because here's a guy who had a problem, created a solution and identified that other people had this issue, created a solution um, for others, scaled that solution, and now is getting rewarded um, for the value that he created in the market. And so I love those kinds of stories um, for that that come out of Shark Tank. Um, sometimes the like product companies get uh, a lot more buzz just because you know they're they're well known, Squatty Potty and Scrub Daddy, and <laughs> um, even Bombas, which um, is uh, it has been like the top revenue generating company in the history of the show, but um, there's tons of businesses that have grown and, and had some successful exits. And, and so, so super proud of Chris Gray and Scully and, and looking forward to having the next Scully uh, appear on the show, uh, maybe this season. That is a really amazing story. Yeah. And what about the opposite, right? Like the ones who come on the show yeah. and no investor, uh, you know, partners with them and then yeah. they, they end up blowing up and the investors are like, man, we should have partnered with them. Uh, AKA like ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, think that ring, might be one of those ring, stories. Ring, ring, great example. <laughs> yeah. Probably the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. Ring is, yeah, yeah. Ring is definitely the biggest example of that. And, you know, Jamie from Ring actually came back on the show as a guest shark and was able to one needle Mark Cuban and the other sharks. You know, you you missed out on a big opportunity, but also invest in companies on the show and really share his experience, which was a really cool story. Um, there's tons of other companies that just haven't that didn't get a deal. Um, I think about one in particular, um, the best pocket square holder out of St. Louis. I just did St. Louis Startup Week a couple weeks ago. And so I did a panel discussion at Heydays, which is a local co-working space there in St. Louis. And we had two Shark Tank alums. Um, so we had uh, the best pocket square holder, um, which is literally a holder for a um, suit pocket for the handkerchief in your suit pocket to make sure it stands up and doesn't go anywhere. And then we had Flipstick, 
and Flipstick is a convertible um, phone attachment that allows you to both stand up your phone or stick it anywhere. And it, it literally uses NASA space age materials. Uh, so you can stick the phone anywhere, but then you can like wash it off with water if it gets dirty and it and it retains its, its stickiness. Uh, so had this panel with those two founders and Best Pocket Square holder didn't get a deal on the show. But since appearing on the show, they've done millions of dollars in revenue for the business. One, because of the moment that you have that you want to take advantage of, you want to get your product in front of literally millions of people. Um, but two, because um, Shark Tank has the ability, I think, to just encourage entrepreneurs to push them in the right direction. So even if you don't make it on the show, hopefully coming to a casting call, going through the pitch prep, pitching your business, you get some encouragement uh, that pushes you in the right direction. And yeah, even if you appear on the show and all of the sharks go out, one, you get in front of a ton of consumers, but two, um, you get a push in the right direction saying your business has value. Go out there and show it. Go out there and, and create some revenue for, for you. And so, yeah, plenty of businesses like Best Pocket Square Holder that have done really well without actually striking a formal deal on the show. Have you, have you ever partnered with any brands that maybe the Sharks didn't? And you're like, hey, I think this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on this. Or are there any <laughs> stories of investors that watch the show that maybe there's not a deal that's pitched and they're like, well, hey, I'm, I'm calling them. Like I'm going to oh, yeah. give it. So, I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like that would happen a lot, really. If somebody walks out and they're like, yeah. man, I ought to take in that deal. I'm giving them a ring. Yeah, exactly. So think about the sharks on Shark Tank as like the megalodons. So they're like the huge, big beast, top of the food chain. But yeah, there's tiger sharks and bull <laughs> sharks and mako <laughs> sharks circling around all the time and looking uh, to be able to snap up something that the megalodon maybe isn't interested in. And so, yeah, there's always investors from um, early stage, seed stage, angel investors, all the way up to institutional VCs and even um, private equity folks that look at Shark Tank and say, you know, hey, um, I see you didn't get a deal I love the traction that we've seen. Let's have a conversation about your business and how we might be able to to help you create more value. So that definitely happens. And uh, I love to see it. I think, again, Shark Tank has this ability to push entrepreneurs in the right direction, but also this really cool convening ability. You know, we we don't really do in-person casting calls as much post-pandemic uh pandemic kind of shut down those things but pre-pandemic when we would do them um, i would invite the local investors the local bank the sba the minority business development agency the patent and trademark office come in meet these entrepreneurs um, share the resources that you have because maybe the resource that's best for the entrepreneur isn't connecting with a shark, maybe it's connecting uh, with a local with another entrepreneur for a business partnership or connecting with the SBA um, to be able to get a guaranteed loan or connecting with the patent and trademark office to learn how to protect what they've created or connecting with one of the, you know, Mako sharks or tiger sharks that are out there, other investors um, to potentially get an investment in their company. And also I'll say a lot of companies that have been on the show in recent years since the SEC kind of created the regulatory structure, 
a lot of companies have benefited from crowdfunding as well. So not just the, you know, tiger sharks and mako sharks, but if you want to think about, if I want to stay with this, schools of fish, so everyday people kind of investing in some of the companies through equity crowdfunding, equity crowd investing as well, which is really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how I found Kanga Coolers was on Kickstarter. Like straight up saw a mm-hmm. link and I'm like, what is this? And then I just started doing a little research and I found out their story and I had reached out to Austin and I'm like, man, your story is awesome. You guys are right down the road. Like we need to tell this story. And right after we, we literally asked him, he walks in to come onto our podcast and he's like, so we mm-hmm. can't really say this yet, but like our episode on shark tanks dropping like tomorrow. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then he, they already mm-hmm. knew, right. That they, that they'd won. They couldn't say anything mm-hmm. for a very long time, mm-hmm. but it was just cool to see that entire process from school project to now full blown company that has 20 employees yeah. and they're all under the age of 30. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I want to dive into your background because it's amazing. You get to go out and, and, and you get to see talent all over the country and you get to hear pitches. And I think traditional, you know, uh, when I got out of college, it was, you go get to eight to five, you get a 401k, right? That's what you got to do to be successful. But now specifically after COVID really that kind of, of, um, of career path, it's kind of old school, right? You know, there's a lot of people now yeah. that want to start their own companies. There's people that want to be influencers, probably a lot of them. Uh, yeah. There's people that are looking at different ways to generate revenue, which is really neat. But you have such a unique background from going from Division One athletes or athletics to working in the U.S. Senate as a, as a legislative staff and then all of the experience that you have. Tell me a little bit. I think anybody that's never worked in the Senate probably wants to know what that was like. But how have you taken yeah. each of these? Because you're very diversified, right? So when when you look at somebody yeah. as a consultant, I would be very interested in working with you because you understand the law. You understand entrepreneurship. You understand a lot of things that people might only be versed in in one category. You bring a lot to the table. Yeah. And I always told people when I grew up, you know, I was an athlete, but I was also an Eagle Scout. I was also involved in my church. I had a triangle yeah. of different people bringing different aspects to my life. And I look back on it going, I'm so lucky that I got that experience that I wasn't just an athlete or just a scout yeah. or just in in, in yeah. uh, at my church and it seems like you've had yeah. a very similar path but even more than me obviously being in the senate and going all over the country and speaking tell us a little bit about kind of yeah. your career and how that's positioned you to be you know the consultant and, and running these companies and supporting these brands all over the country and, and probably all over the world yeah 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 well i definitely feel very fortunate to have had the range of experiences that i've had and for me it really comes back to anything Success I think that I've had career-wise has been me seeing a need, raising my hand and saying, hey, let me go fulfill this need, um, showing up in an excellent way, so delivering um, in that role, and then it always creates new opportunity. And so for me, that's been the path that I'm taking. But going all the way back to growing up in Alabama, I grew up in a small town in South Alabama called Bruton. Uh, my grandmother primarily raised me there. Rutilia uh, Andrews is her name. Um, and I appreciate everything that she um, instilled in me. Uh, but I didn't know anything about business. I had heard of being a business person, but I didn't know what you know business people did or how to become one. And I certainly hadn't wrapped my mind around entrepreneurship. So owning my own business, um, I didn't even, the only entrepreneur that I really knew in the area was 
um, a pat- local pastor who had a gas station that actually was out of business. And so people used to, when we used to pass the gas, gas station, people used to make jokes like, oh, that used to be open, but it's not anymore. I wonder if it'll ever, ever open again. And so I didn't understand that this could be um, for me, that this world of business or finance or ideas or entrepreneurship or investing. Uh, but again, I think that's why having a show like Shark Tank is so cool because it opens up a window to a world that most people just would have no reason uh, to, to, to know anything about. And so um, if you had asked me when I was younger, you know, what did I want to do? I would have just said, I want to make a difference. I want to have a positive impact. Like that's probably what I would have said, generally speaking. Um, I went to undergrad to study international relations and that was in the government department. Um, I interned for a member of Congress when I was uh, in undergrad. So my last two years, junior, senior year, I interned there. I went to, to college in Oklahoma. So I interned there in Oklahoma and got the opportunity to do a paid internship. And I say paid because I wouldn't have been able to afford to get to DC. It, it was just a stipend, but it was just enough to to make the, the math work to be able to do it. And so I had like my last track meet, regional track meet on like a Wednesday. And the next Monday, I was starting the internship in DC. About a month into that internship, I got hired on full time as a staff assistant on Capitol Hill, um, working in the US Senate. While there, I used my international relations degree, so I primarily de- did um, defense and foreign policy, although later in my career um, in the U.S. Senate, I moved on to, to doing some um, economic policy and, and, and some tech policy, but um, spent the majority of the time doing IR and, and defense work, and it was a super interesting time. I was basically there from the um, Iraq surge through the Afghan surge, so when you talk about national security, when you talk about defense, it was a really um, important time for Congress to be providing resources, you know, however you feel about the actions that that were being taken. I think it's important to support members of the military. And so a really important time for the Armed Services Committee to be able to do their jobs. And it was actually in the U.S. Senate when I first learned about this idea of early stage investing, believe it or not. So there are several quasi-governmental venture capital entities. Um, InQtel is probably the best known one, which does early stage investing um, on things that like the CIA or NSA might use. But back then, um, Red Planet Capital did early stage investing for NASA. And NASA's actually brought um, some of these concepts back for the Artemis mission. So going back to the moon. Uh, and now if you look across government, a number of federal government agencies have these quasi-governmental VCs or investing arms, because the reality is with government, the procurement process is very long. And especially, again, as we're thinking about national security and defense, when we're in Iraq and Afghanistan at the same time, we need to get tools, we need to get supplies, we need to get new technology to uh, the warfighter, uh, to our people that are downrange as quickly as possible. And doing that uh, using these quasi-governmental VCs was a way to shorten up that process to prove out some of the technology um, in the private sector and then um, get it into the, the procurement process and, and and push it out a lot faster. And so that's when I first learned about it. And so literally during budget season, we would have over 100 meetings with large and small companies, um, a lot of grad school programs, research programs, 
with technology that they thought could be helpful. And I liken that to the deal flow um, that an investor would do. And I liken it to uh, me looking at uh, profiles for, for Shark Tank casting for a number of years. And so I got some training in that back when I was actually working in government. And I said back then, hey, I'd love to be able to do this kind of thing outside of government. And I thought maybe it would be a you know, third career, fourth career, something much farther down the line for me as I think about my career. But the opportunity to be able to connect with Shark Tank and and, and meet Mark Burnett um, made it possible a lot earlier. So um, it wasn't expected. But I think, again, it's going down this path of there's a need for something, filling that need, showing up in an excellent way, and then that creating more opportunities. Um, I have a buddy, Michael, uh, who was the editor of Washington Life magazine in Washington, D.C. for a number of years. And he he and his family um, actually just moved to, to, to Bali. Um, but before he left, we grabbed a quick drink and we were both talking about careers. And we were like, you know, there's some folks that just focus on one thing. But if you think about your life or career as a mixing board, as a soundboard, if you are moving up all of the faders on that mixing board at the same time, you get a much better mix. You get a much richer sound. And um, it may take you a little bit longer to get um, to the same place. But once you get there, you have this multifaceted experience that can really be helpful and really differentiate you and your experience from others who may just choose one path. Ultimately, your career is your career. Do what's best for you. But for me, being able to do multiple things um, has been really helpful. And I think it allows me to to add some significant value for the brands that we work with. Uh, and um, it really allows me to touch a number of things. You Man, mentioned, that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Very you mentioned um, earlier and, and you had a great uh, line talking about, you know, going in and finding a problem, right? And then creating a solution to that and then mm -hmm. realizing that solution is open to a lot of people and then turning that into a business. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice to people that are under the age of 18 that might not know, do I want to go to college? Do I want to have $300,000 yeah. in debt? Do I need a degree? Um, what are you seeing yeah. out there with all of these pitches and what would be your advice to, to the younger generation of Americans as far as how they can not only become successful, but how can they find out what's, what's them, right? What, what makes them tick, but also what's the career or the multiple faceted arenas that they can, they can play in. I know yeah. everybody has a different story, so there's not one answer, but what kind of your, is your advice for people that are younger that, that might not know what they want to do? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is for every one entrepreneur that I meet that has a business, wants to be on Shark Tank or wants to use media or television to build their brand, I meet at least five or six aspiring entrepreneurs, five or six people that have the idea, that have a concept, that see a need for something. And they will come to Shark Tank casting over and over again with just the idea and they never actually move forward and start the business. So the first piece of advice for younger people is move forward with whatever concept or idea that you have. If you think you have an interest in something, try it out. If you have an idea for a business, if you see a problem that needs to be solved, put together a plan and move forward with it because the market will tell you whether or not it's viable. 
the market will tell you whether or not it's actually something that can grow, but don't self-select out of it. Don't stop yourself from doing something beforehand. And even if it doesn't become a million dollar business, ultimately you're going to learn from that experience and be able to apply what you've learned to whatever space you end up working in, whether that's starting another business as an entrepreneur or working on projects as an entrepreneur within a larger organization, being self-employed. These principles of entrepreneurship that you learn when you're building something, they can be applied across careers. And so I definitely I encourage anyone, whatever age, but especially younger people, take advantage of the opportunity um, when you have space and time to really think and try things and maybe even fail on something to actually try to do it. Uh, the second thing is definitely think about yourself as a brand. And so we talked about NIL a little bit. I was just at Howard University uh, a couple weeks ago doing a, a small business panel discussion and a bunch of the guys from the Howard basketball team came up to me after the panel and they were like, you know, we are interested in NIL. We're interested in building our brands. We're interested in getting deals. You know, what, what advice do you have? But my advice is that everyone, if you're Generation Z and younger, should certainly be thinking about yourself as a brand, because as we think about where we're going with technology, I believe that sooner rather than later, we're going to have not only privacy protection, which um, has been a hot topic over the past several years, we're actually going to have portability uh, and payment based on our online profiles. And so uh, people know about cookies that follow you around. Once you go to a website, you click on something or you search for something and all of a sudden you start seeing ads for that. You are part of a transaction as a person engaging online, but you're not currently being compensated for that. I believe sooner rather than later, all of us are going to be able to say to Nike or to whatever brand, if you want to serve me an ad and make money off the ad or to Google or whoever, um, then I deserve a small piece of that. And so thinking about yourself as a brand and thinking about the value that you are adding and how you can get compensated for that value, um, no matter what space you're operating in, I think is incredibly important. That's why at Gage with, with our company, we've always compensated people for sharing their feedback. I mean, you can share your feedback on Twitter or on Instagram and maybe a brand will retweet it or maybe they'll say something back to you or maybe they'll DM you, uh, but you're not going to get compensated for it. But on a platform like Gage, you will. And I think that's where we're going. And especially for younger people, one, definitely take the step forward, uh, move forward with whatever idea you have. But two, think about yourself as a brand understand the places you're adding value and find ways to get compensated for that. If you do those two things, no matter what else is going on, I think you'll have an opportunity to, to set yourself up for success. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Man. It is. I mean, it is. And we talk about building your brand, but I mean, I think personal brand is more important than ever before. Right. I mean, and it's only going to continue to get more important. Um, you have to stand for something, but you have to be more than one thing. Right. Like it just has to be that way yeah. in this world. That's yeah. fascinating, man. Um, before we let you go, what if, if we have potential businesses that are interested in learning about Gage and interested in learning about uh, in, in, inexorable, I can barely say that. Um, Tell us about what's the best way to get in contact with you. Or, hey, maybe there's somebody out here that's like, I want to go on Shark Tank. 
What's the best way for them to contact yeah. you, get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in casting for ABC Shark Tank, it's really simple. Website, go to sharkpitches.biz. Um, there's a form. It comes directly to me. I do look at everything that comes in. I'd be happy to take a look at your business profile and um, have a conversation about where you're at and potentially being competitive for the show. Um, if you want to check out Gage, it's gauge.ai on all social, and that's also the website. Uh, and uh, anexrable.co is uh, the, the consulting company. Um, and let me leave you with, with this. It's just one of my favorite quotes, um, Arthur Ashe, and going back to thinking about um, starting something and making sure that you don't let your ideas, you know, let your dreams down the vine. Um, it's a great quote, one of my favorites. It's just start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And so everyone's going to be in a different place, but start where you are. Don't worry about where everyone else is. Use what you have to build whatever uh, dream you have or whatever business idea you have. Use what you have. Again, don't compare yourself to others uh, and then do what you can. So whatever skill set you have today, use that skill set to move forward, to build whatever it is you're building, whether that's your personal brand or whether that's a business. If you start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, focus on you and improving and taking steps forward every day. Again, whether you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, working in government, um, self-employed, um, an influencer, I think you'll be able to set yourself up for success. And that's Arthur Ashe, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with that. Amazing. That that's amazing. Man. That's brilliant. Brandon, we could have you on here forever. That was um, incredible. Thank you so much for the insight, not only into Shark Tank, but your journey. And thank you for the the advice for, for people that you know, might have no idea. They might still be in high school all the way up into somebody that might be, you know, 60 years old and retired and decides, Hey, I, I want to start a company. Um, I bet you have yeah. heard some of the craziest concepts and ideas ever. I think it would be so fascinating to be the person that just gets the ideas for Shark Tank. You're probably looking at some of these like, that's insane. But then some of them you're like, damn, that's gold. This is it. So, um, you have a tough job, man, but congratulations on everything that you've done. And, uh, and we look forward to following your journey. Uh, like always, please like share comment, go go connect with, uh, with Brandon on LinkedIn, go follow his, uh, his organizations. If you're interested in getting connected with him, we can definitely make that happen, but just an honor to have you on here, man. And thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Enjoy the conversation and uh, congrats on over 300 episodes. I think that's incredible. It's great uh, what you've been able to build. The consistency uh, is is also incredibly commendable and uh, looking forward to continuing to listen in as you continue to, to interview some great people. I love it, man. We'll you, uh, we'll be ready to pitch to Mark Cuban anytime. So you just you just let us know. <laughs> let me know. Yeah, maybe we need your advice <laughs> as to how we could turn this yeah. into a, a, That's a, right. a revenue stream. You know? That's right. <laughs> I love it, my um, man. We'll, yeah, uh, so awesome. Um, we look forward to following your journey, buddy. Absolutely. Until yeah. next time, you've been listening Thanks, to this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.